Hi, homies. Today, we get to chat about a topic which many of you may have heard about, but possibly don't quite know the history behind it or exactly how you would use these little precious remedies that we have in our toolkit. They are called the homeopathic tissue salts or cell salts. And here in Australia, you've probably seen them in most health shops or even pharmacies branded under the name Schussler. Now, today we have the amazing Karen Allen, who is going to be chatting with us about the cell salts. Now, Karen changed careers to become a homeopath after seeing remarkable response in an illness for one of her children. Now, as a clinician with 27 years of experience, her focus of interest is in reproductive and endocrine health issues, especially those that impact fertility. Karen's teaching is known for her engaging style and case-based material, and I have done several of her courses, and man, she is an incredible, incredible educator and remarkable storyteller. She presents at alternative medicine and homeopathic conferences around the world, and she has previously served as adjunct faculty at Bastyr University's homeopathy department. Uh, she has been president of the Council for Homeopathic Certification and educator director for Homeopaths Without Borders. She currently sits on the National Biofield Committee for the Integrative Health Policy Consortium, and she is the director of Trinity Health Hub an online resource for education, mentoring, connection and advocacy for homeopaths and those who use homeopathy. And they have got some exciting developments happening in the very near future. So absolutely keep an eye on their website, trinityhealthhub.com. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode with Karen. I even learned a few things about the tissue salts that I didn't know. So I'm sure you're going to love this and make sure that you check out our website. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout podcast, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we get to speak with homeopath and educator, Karen Allen, all the way from the USA. Welcome, Karen. <laughs> Thank you, Eugenie. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for doing this podcast. It's such a pleasure, and I can't believe my luck to have you on here today. You are a wonderful educator. I've done several of your courses. I absolutely love Trinity Health Hub, and maybe we can squeeze a little bit of that in right at the end as well for the homeopaths listening to this. But today, we get to chat about cell salts or tissue salts, as we more commonly know them here in Australia. And I am really excited for you to tell our listeners a little bit about it because it is something that I get asked about a lot. Here in Australia, we get the tissue salts uh, in most of the health shops, in some pharmacies, usually under the Schussler brand name. I don't know what you guys mm -hmm. use over there. But um, I am passionate about them because they're so easy to use. You can even use them on your plants and, of course, your pets. Um, so I wonder, can you maybe tell our listeners a little bit about what the cell salts or the tissue salts are? Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad to hear that you use them. And I love you mentioning for pets and for plants because they are so useful in so many ways. So I'm, yeah, let's dive right in. Let's start a long time ago in 1843. And Samuel Hahnemann, the founder of homeopathy, at that time was living in Paris in his last days. And he passed away in 1843. And about that same time, there was in Germany, a court scribe 
named Wilhelm Schussler. And Schussler, more than anything, wanted to be a physician. And he was a really bright guy, but he didn't come from a wealthy family and there was no money for school. So he learned a lot of different languages. Like Hahnemann, he spoke and read and translated six different languages. And that's how he made his living. And he saved money. And during about a decade where he was working and saving up his money so that he could go to school, he got in trouble several times for actually trying to be a physician or pretending he was a physician and trying to help people. And he got his knuckles wrapped a few times. And eventually, in 1852, he made it to Paris. And he began to study medicine there. He was 31 years old by then. And he learned homeopathy along with all the other medical sciences because homeopathy was big news in Paris after Hahnemann had been there. And he went on to study more in Berlin and in Prague. And just as he was going to graduate from medical school, they realized he had never done an undergraduate college education. And that was a problem because you weren't supposed to get into medical school until you already had your undergraduate degree. So his graduation got postponed while he had to go take exams and prove that he knew the basic knowledge of an undergraduate degree. But finally, by 1858, he had a degree and he went back to Oldenburg, where he had been a court scribe, and he began to practice as a physician. And honestly, he found it tough. He found it frustrating that there were so many different medicines to try to learn and to try to use. And he had some amazing successes and he had some not so good outcomes. And he began looking for something that made more sense to him where he could very reliably help his patients. So by the 1870s, he was really casting about for other possibilities. Okay, so we started in 1843, and now we've gone through his education. Some time has gone on. We're going to kind of step aside, and we're going to leave Schussler sitting where he is, frustrated in his <laughs> office in Oldenburg. And we're going to look at what was happening in Germany. You know, Schussler is the one who's got his name on the bottle of cell salts. But this really grew out of a much bigger and much richer field than just one guy's idea. So at this time, Germany was absolutely the center of emerging science and cell biology was beginning to emerge. And if you remember from your biology classes in grade school or high school or university, in the 1600s, Hook and Lohenhook had identified cork cells. They could see that there were these little pieces that seemed to be all stuck together in a piece of cork. Mm -hmm. But it took a couple hundred more years until 1838 when a German scientist, Theodore Schwann, looked at tadpole cells and yeast cells. And he began to really understand and define cell theory. Now, 
building on that was an incredibly eminent uh, physician and researcher that is now known as the father of modern pathology. His name is Rudolf Virchow. He was born in Poland and he worked mostly in Germany. And in 1858, he published a paper that was mind-bogglingly life-changing for every physician, for everyone who ever studied disease. And he had come to the conclusion that cells can only arise from other existing cells. Mm -hmm. They don't show up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And this was uh, given the idea at the time uh, that came to us from Greece about the different humors and that disease was a mysterious thing that could happen in fog. And there was just, absolutely, (laughs) there were a lot of ideas that were basically naive innocence Mm -hmm. and um, ignorance. Mm -hmm. And so he, he published this paper that said disease is not something personal and special, but only a manifestation of life under modified conditions. Mm -hmm. And it operates according to the same laws as apply to the living body at all times, which means that you can't get sick from fog. Mm -hmm. So he proposed that the whole body is actually a cell state Mm -hmm. in which every individual little cell is a citizen. Wow. And he said, disease is merely the conflict of the citizens of the state Mm -hmm. brought about by the action of external forces. Mm -hmm. He was an amazing guy. And I'd really, if any of you who are listening are interested, go, go Google and read about him. He was a spunky man. At one point, there was a nobleman who felt insulted by him and challenged Virchow to a duel. <laughs> and when he showed up to actually, you know, say, are we doing guns or swords? Mm-hmm. Virchow put a plate on the table in front of him that had two big German sausages. <laughs> and he said, one of these sausages is pure and healthy. And the other one has been impregnated with very serious botulin toxins. And so you pick which sausage you would like to eat and I'll (laughs) eat the other one. This is my weapon of choice. (laughs) Wow. And the fellow that had challenged him to a duel decided that he would accept an apology and all ended (laughs) well. No one ate the sausages. It's very wise. He was a gutsy guy. And and he he had an amazing ability to inspire ideas of change mm. in others. Okay, so this was in the 1850s, late 1850s, and he's giving us this idea that our bodies are made of cells mm-hmm. and that disease just happens when cells aren't acting properly. Mm-hmm. These were it's hard for us now to even imagine how 
outrageous those ideas were at the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, now we take them for granted. Okay, so there's also in Germany, another physician who was actually a Dutch fellow. His name was Jakob Moleschat. Mm-hmm. And he proposed that emotions and thoughts had a physiological basis. Mm-hmm. And of course, at the time, that was not a very popular idea. And so he was forced to resign from the University of Heidelberg. And mm-hmm. they took great exception to his ideas that, that someone's mental emotional experience actually could impact their physiology, mm-hmm. something that now we know to be true. Mm-hmm. But at the time, we didn't know that. And he further scandalized everybody by saying that he believed that at the end of life, bodies should be cremated. Wow. And he was a huge advocate for cremation. Now, you got to keep in mind that back in the Greek and Roman times, It was a standard thing. Everybody was cremated. But then there was the evolution of a Christian influence and a church influence in Europe where they really thought, no, we should bury people. We should not cremate them. And in really densely populated areas, cremation is a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't put funeral pyres up everywhere. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Cremation became very rare unless there was a war or a plague. And Molochat was trying to get everybody to adopt this again. He felt that it was, as a public health measure, much better than burying people's bodies in the ground, especially if they had been sick or toxic or whatever. All right. So now we move forward to 1870. And in the World Exposition in Vienna, there was an Italian professor who brought a model of a closed cremation Mm -hmm. chamber. Mm -hmm. And after that, there was a safe way to cremate people. And these cremation societies popped up all over the place in England and in Germany. Right. So we've got this this. We we still have Schussler sitting in his <laughs> office unhappy. And we've talked about what happened with Schwann and his understanding mm-hmm. of cells and how Virchow built on that. And now we've brought in this other stream of also what was happening in Germany with moving from burial to creation. And Schussler didn't have anything to do with any of that, but he paid attention. So There's another thread, another piece of the puzzle from a nutritional physiologist named Gustav von Bonga. And von Bonga was one of the first people who said, hey, human metabolism requires certain ingredients. And he became interested in how sodium chloride which in homeopathy we know as natrum muriaticum, Mm -hmm. operates in the body and how it affects metabolism, how it's used in cells. Mm -hmm. 
how it's used in organs and tissues. And he also investigated iron and potassium chloride, which we would know as Cali muriaticum. Mm -hmm. And he looked at all the different ways in the body that potassium and sodium and chlorides and phosphorus were used. And he started publishing papers about it. Okay, now, Schussler, sitting unhappily in his office by the, by the 1870s, has been following this. He Remember, he read and wrote six languages. Mm-hmm. And so he's been reading this stuff in Italian and English and German and French, wow. all these different things that have been happening. And he becomes fascinated with this emerging science of cellular biology. And he reads what Virchow and Moleschat and Gustav von Bunge have been doing. And he gets the idea that there are mineral components that could be major factors in someone's health. Mm. Now, he was trying to figure out how do I research that? And he happened to have a conversation with someone in Oldenburg, in Germany, who was part of a cremation society. And he gets the idea to take the ashes Mm -hmm. of some of the people who have been cremated and to look through them to see what's there. Mm -hmm. And he found the same minerals in every collection of ash. The same, no matter who you were to start, Mm -hmm. by the time that the cremation got done, Mm -hmm. you were sodium and (laughs) sulfur and calcium and phosphorus and chloride. Wow. And so he concluded that these were the eternal elements of life. This was what is not extinguished when the person dies. And so he decided that these things must be important. And then after looking at Bungbunga's work, he thought, oh, maybe disease arises when a cell doesn't have access to the minerals that it needs. Mm -hmm. And this became the basis of his entire work, which he called the biochemical principle. Mm -hmm. And he proposed that if we gave people these substances in a dilute form, which he had learned in homeopathy, Mm -hmm. that it would be able to heal every single sickness. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if it's true for you there in Australia, but here in the US, and I know also in India, and in some of the countries in South America, there are practitioners who are, all they do is use cell salts. Mm -hmm. They don't do the rest of the whole homeopathy thing. They just use these cell salts. Is that true in Australia? I don't know of anybody, but I do know of practitioners worldwide that operate that way. And I can totally see why. uh, Personally, I just love all the different toys we have to play. So 12 toys is not enough for me. (laughs) I like the hundreds (laughs) of others. I have 1,300 remedies in my clinic, so I am somebody that likes to play with all the toys, but I can see why people would only want to play with those 12, because they are amazing. Yes, and that was Schussler's idea. Remember, he was frustrated in trying to simplify. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he came up with these 12, calc floor, calcarea foss, mm-hmm. ferrum foss, 
Kali muriaticum, which is a chloride, mm-hmm. Kali phos, mm-hmm. Kali sulfuricum, magnesium phos, natrium muriaticum, natrium phos, natrium sulf, mm-hmm. and silica. And then he decided, oh, what about calcareous sulf? And so for a couple of years, that was one of his preparations that he used. And then he said, no, it's not one of the eternal elements. And he mixed it. So we have (laughs) the idea of 12 cell salts. They make a nice even dozen. Mm -hmm. But as far as he was concerned, he was kind of working with 11. Mm -hmm. So his knowledge of homeopathy helped him because he was already familiar with the ideas of how do you dilute and potentize, Mm. he did that with these elements. And a lot of these, they were not part of our homeopathic world until after he started using them. So he was a bridge to bring a lot of these in. And he began to make these preparations and give them to his patients and observe the response. And he was adamant that this was not homeopathy, that this was biochemics, because he didn't, you know, he kind of was pretty sure that this would not have been approached that Hahnemann would have taken or approved of. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't, because he didn't do provings. Mm -hmm. You know, he basically was looking at this as what he called a saturation therapy, Mm -hmm. a saturation healing method where he would help the cell get as much of whatever chemical as it needed. And over time, he began to observe features in somebody's facial appearance or their skin or coloration or what was happening with them, where he could very clearly say this cell salt, this tissue salt is going to be useful in that circumstance. Mm -hmm. So he became very well known for this and people would send all their tough cases to him and he was very successful with many of them. And think about it. I mean, we're talking about what's happening in the 1870s and 1880s and nutrition at that point in Europe in the winter was sort of cabbage and meat. Mm -hmm. You know, there wasn't a lot of balanced nutrition. There wasn't a lot of public health strength. And so you can just imagine what a miracle these would have been for people who were malnourished in mm-hmm. some way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So he made this amazing contribution to homeopathy because all these things came into our materia medica and then people did provings of them and we learned more things about them. And then in 1880, he was solid enough about this to write a book. And he wrote this book called 12 Tissue Remedies Mm -hmm. with this satiation healing method. Mm -hmm. And in Europe, the homeopathic community hated it. They they were cranky. But in the U.S., it was embraced very fully. Mm -hmm. Herring, Constantine Herring, who opened the first school in the United States and was from Germany, translated... Schussler's German book into English and gave it a huge recommendation. Now, keep in mind that Constantine Herring was the first person in homeopathy to pioneer ex-potency remedies. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, I didn't know Hahnemann that. always used C potencies, which means that there was a one to 100 dilution. Mm, mm. And Schussler didn't really have potency worked out. He just worked with dilutions, mm. but it wasn't an exact thing like a one to 10. And so Herring was the one who actually standardized this. Mm-hmm. So he's, he said the idea that this biochemic method is based on a physical fact of both the structure and vitality of the organs of the body that are dependent on certain necessary quantities and arrangements of inorganic chemistry. And that those remain after the combustion of the tissues in its ashes, we're able to see the entire cycle. Mm -hmm. So he taught this in his school and anywhere else that he went, and he wrote articles about it. And he helped to standardize the 6X potency that tissue salts are now sold in. That's so interesting. So that wasn't actually uh, Schussler that decided on the 6X potency. He just did it more haphazardly. Very interesting. I didn't know that part. So eventually, um, this spread to everywhere that homeopathy had spread Mm -hmm. and also began to be used in, uh, in as an adjunct for other practitioners, like a massage therapist who uses calc foss and calc floor Mm -hmm. and doesn't know anything about homeopathy. Mm-hmm. that helps people with joint pain. It began to be something that had its own viable life apart from its origins and uh, just spread all over the place. Now, you know, Hahnemann died prior to all of this understanding of cellular nutrition. He never had a chance to weigh in on any of this. Mm-hmm. But I think that if he were seeing it now, He would be looking at the data and saying, there is a benefit to this. And people are able to use these to relieve pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. So as practitioners, we want to have flexibility to work at the level of a cell or a tissue or an organ or a body system or an acute complaint, or a chronic complaint, or a family line. Mm. We want to have flexibility for all of those things. And I think that tissue salts, whether you're somebody doing self-care at home, or whether you're a practitioner working with your population base, these are an important part of tools in your toolkit. Mm. Absolutely. I have a few questions for you, Karen which I know okay. that uh, our listeners are going to be thinking about. And in my group of mums, I know this is some of the questions that will be coming up. And do you happen to know when the combination tissue salts started? And what are your thoughts about using the combinations versus the single tissue salts or cell salts? Oh, that's very interesting. I'm glad you asked that. Okay. <laughs> the combinations were developed later. And this had to do with work in the 1940s and 50s um, that was, uh, there was a growth at that time of low potency combinations 
that were strategically targeted for a particular thing. So with the biochemics, one of the combinations is commonly known as bioplasma, mm -hmm. and it contains all 12, even the forbidden calc sulfur. <laughs> now, there are some people who say that's a stupid idea and we don't use those because some of those remedies don't really get along. Mm. And they could be canceling out their influence. And this is, Eugenie, this is one of the interesting things. When we put marbles into a jar, each one keeps its marbleness. Mm. But when we put drips of blue and pink and green and yellow and orange paint mm -hmm. into a jar, it becomes kind of baby poop brown. Yeah, <laughs> putting it nicely. <laughs> And we don't actually know when we put remedies together, mm -hmm. whether they're marbles or whether they're paint. Mm. We don't know. And so the only way that we can tell that is by using the product and seeing, does it work? Mm. So some people have great results from bioplasma. Um, we, you talked earlier about the Trinity Health Hub. Mm which is an organization. One of the things that I love about the hub is that a quarter of the subscriber fees go back into the community in service. Mm -hmm. And there are several different categories. The most recent thing that we did was purchase a thousand dollars of bioplasma mm -hmm. for our colleagues in Haiti for homeopaths without borders. Mm -hmm. And they have so many issues with nutrition and after the, the most recent earthquake and then a hurricane and food shortages and gas shortages, there's a continual on the edge of malnutrition that happens there. And so I just got an email from one of the colleagues, the doctors there who's using homeopathy and running some of the clinics for the community homeopaths to work with people. And he said, you can't believe how priceless this is. So, you know, in cases, for example, of failure to thrive mm. with a baby or uh, somebody who's maybe undergoing some kind of cancer therapy and they're just in any situation where they're having a hard time metabolizing nutrients, mm -hmm. bioplasma can be a huge lifesaver for them. I absolutely agree. And then the other, another combination that I commonly use actually is called BioFoss. Mm. And it's just the three CalcFoss, FerrumFoss, KLiFoss, well, I guess four, and MagFoss mm -hmm. and NatFoss five. Nat <laughs> yeah. So it just has all of the phosphoruses, <laughs> phosphor I. I don't know what yeah. the plural of that would be. <laughs> Let's go with phosphorus. <laughs> all of those salts in there. And uh, I use this very often with uh, anybody who's recently undergone some kind of dehydration. Mm -hmm. It's great for moms that are nursing babies mm -hmm. and having a hard time keeping up enough fluids or for athletes who do really rigorous marathons to put into their water. Mm -hmm. uh, or for anybody who's had diarrhea and vomiting with the flu, anybody who needs electrolytes 
this is just fantastic. And you can put it in, in the dog bowl, water bowl, you know, for, for your pet that's got vomiting or diarrhea to help them. And you can put it in your watering can for your plants when they seem to need a little pick me up. Mm-hmm. And I actually at home, uh, I have chickens. I love my chickens. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I love them too. <laughs> and so I will put some of these, uh, usually one day a week, I will put either calcfoss or biofoss into their little house and they run around and they peck up the pellets and mm-hmm. they think that they're the little tablets. They think they're very fun. And because they have to metabolize so much calcium for eggs Mm. and because there are other minerals involved in that, it really helps keep them healthy and it helps to keep their their bones healthy, to keep their bones from losing calcium in order to maintain the egg Mm -hmm. structure. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you said that. I've got a chicken who's laying some eggs at the moment where the shell's just really weak. And it's more oh, just yeah. like a, you know, just like a, like, I don't know, it's not even a shell. It's just a soft little jelly-like thing on the outside. And um, I've got some tissue salts in their water at the moment. Just all the chickens are getting it because they're losing some feathers at the moment as well. So I figured they need some extra support. But you've just yeah. given me such a great idea because in Perth, um, you know, we often have 40 degree days. It gets really hot here over summer. So so that's a really good one to um, put in the garden as well when our plants are just looking a little bit sad and um, our chickens are looking a little bit sad. You know, they'll be lying there with their wings up and their tongues <laughs> out, just like <laughs> you can see that poor chicken is really not happy with this weather right now. So that's a great one yeah. to add to the watering can. Oh, um, good. You know, just, you can also put them, I put, we had some outrageously hot days. It was mm-hmm. like 112 in mm-hmm. Seattle. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's Fahrenheit, I, right? Yeah, we've got Celsius yeah, over here. I don't, I don't know <laughs> I what don't, that would be in Celsius, no, but it's outrageously either. hot. Yeah, It's like the kind of weather that you'd see in Las Vegas in the summer, not in Seattle. Okay. And so I got a, a water bin and I put the bioplasma or biofoss in it mm-hmm. and had like two inches of water in the bottom of it so that the chickens could go sit in it. Ah, good idea. Good idea. So I that um the 12 tissue salts, I love recommending that to pregnant women because I always feel like their bodies are going through so much. And sometimes a lot of homeopaths will say, you know, it's better if you give a specific tissue salt, not all 12. But I always feel like the baby knows what it needs from the mother's body. And if you're giving her all 12 tissue salts, the baby's going to draw what it needs. Um, I often recommend putting it in a water bottle, shaking the water mm-hmm. bottle and just drinking it throughout the day which made me um, think of asking the question about aggravations because I don't think I have ever in my decade of experience seen an aggravation on a tissue salt. Have you ever? I have had a couple of clients who do not deal well with bioplasma, Mm. that bioplasma causes all kinds of digestive upset. And I've had that problem with it once as well. I don't know why, but Mm. I just felt terrible. But for most people, that's not been an issue. What I can say, and I've had this experience too, maybe you've had this experience. I don't think that they aggravate, but I do think that there are times when your body has had enough of it Mm. and it gives you a very interesting signal. Mm -hmm. What will happen is that you put the tablet in your mouth and it tastes awful. Mm -hmm. 
you know, cell salts just taste minerally in their little tablet of squishy lactose. And, you know, you just, it sort of melts in your mouth and it Mm -hmm. tastes a little sweet and a little minerally and nothing else. Mm -hmm. But if you put it in your mouth and it tastes sour Mm -hmm. or rotten, it's not because there's something wrong with the cell salt. It's Mm -hmm. because your body is telling you that you've had enough. The saliva in your mouth is reacting to it in a way that says, you don't need this right now. Mm, That's so interesting. Uh, The other thing is, I don't know if you've ever seen that some people, I don't know who who did this, but they've linked the 12 tissue salts to the 12 star signs. Have you seen that? I have seen that. Actually, there was a physician in Yakima, Mm -hmm. which is, I don't know if you've ever heard of Yakima. I have not, no. (laughs) little bitty town in Washington state. And he was the first homeopath Mm -hmm. to bring homeopathy to Washington state. And he also was uh, very fascinated with astrology. Mm -hmm. And so he associated the tissue salts with, you know, lucky there were 12 Mm -hmm. um, with (laughs) with the various signs. And he wrote out, you know, that if somebody was this sign, then you should give Mm -hmm. them this cell salt. And this is why. And he wrote this book about it. Mm -hmm. Now that book, I have to say, I have not found to be the least bit clinically accurate or helpful, (laughs) but (laughs) yes, but there has been a brilliant republication of that book by a colleague named David Card, C-A-R-D. And the book is called Facial Diagnosis of Cell Salt Deficiencies. And what he did was take the text by George Carey, the, the original writer who was the first homeopath in Washington State. And he includes that. But he also adds to it. You've got this book, right, Eugenie? Yeah, it's in my clinic. I haven't used it that much, but I recently bought it because it sounded so interesting. When you look at the pictures, this is all the stuff that Schussler began to discover. Mm -hmm. When someone has deep cracked lines around their lip and it's a maybe a younger woman that you wouldn't expect to have cracking at that age, I shouldn't say cracking, like wrinkles. Mm. You know how older gals tend to have wrinkles around their lip and sometimes lipstick will leach into it so they mm. look kind of funny. And it, when you see that in someone who's younger, it shows you that there's a collagen deficiency. And so there are specific cell salts that are appropriate for that person. And what David Card has done is go through and show you pictures of what each of the cell salts look like in the face, in the teeth, in the appearance, in the way they stand, in a way that allows you to visually see. Now, the first time I looked at that book, I was super overwhelmed because there was so much information. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was pick one thing each week and start looking for it as I looked at clients in my clinic. And you start noticing, oh my goodness, the thing about earlobes, it's really true. (laughs) And so so I began to use it in that way. And when you can do that, where you can uh, 
uh, narrow to just one thing to watch for. Pick a thing each week. After a while, you've got all of it under your belt. Hugely useful, really, really useful book. I'm so glad you said that because it's been sitting on my shelf. Um, We've got a there's the Aurum project here in Australia and they often have secondhand books for sale. And I went a little bit nuts a while ago and bought, I think about <laughs> 20 or 30 books. And that's one of them sitting there. And um, I'm looking forward to having a little bit of a break over Christmas and New Year and just digging into all of those books. And you've encouraged me now to go through that one first for sure. That's um, it's excellent. Yeah. It's so, so I have one last idea to share with as we're we're wrapping up here mm-hmm. one last idea to share with uh the listeners and this is actually from William Boricky so Boricky was uh of the family of Boricky and Taffel which was a great big homeopathic manufacturer they made mm-hmm. medicines and all of the Boricky brothers were doctors and homeopaths. And they ran a homeopathic school in San Francisco. And a lot of people will be familiar with William Borkey because they've seen his Materia Medica. Mm. It's probably on your shelf with all the rest of those books. So valuable. So Borkey wrote about Ferrum Foss as he wrote this in an article in an old journal that was talking about how the average practitioner can survive being on call Mm -hmm. (laughs) because sometimes when a lot of people are sick, it gets very, very busy. So all the practitioners that are listening, you know what I mean? There are times where it's nine o'clock at night and you're still returning calls and there's still people you haven't called back. So what he said was that Ferrum Foss is the practitioner's ally, particularly in a 4X potency. He didn't use it in 6X. He said it's better in 4X. And he made sure that every family in his practice had a bottle of Ferrum Foss 4X. And he taught the mamas, if you look at your child and you see he's getting sick, she's getting sick. And a lot of times as a mama, it's part of your intuition. It might not be really clear yet, but you know, they're not acting normal. They're not eating normally. They're not, there's something wrong. Even if it's not obviously a fever or a stomach bug or a something, you just know that the, or it's right at the beginning of a sniffle, right at the beginning of a fever. Your little kiddo comes in and says, mama, I don't feel good. Mm. He directed the mamas whenever they saw one of their children beginning to get sick with anything to put one tablet of the ferrum foss in a little quarter cup of hot water, Mm. not boiling, Mm -hmm. but hot enough that it would be comfortable for a child to drink like a hot cup of tea. Mm just a quarter cup with one little tablet. And he would have the child drink this every 15 minutes for two hours. And usually they would pop back up and just be fine. Or they might fall asleep and take a nap and then pop back up and just be fine. And he said that this helps if you think about the role of ferrum Foss as a remedy, as something that deals with an initial 
inflammatory response in the body, Borachy believed that this would fight off pretty much any initial onset of illness. And if you followed this with good food and good sleep and some rest, mm. that the body would be able to, to put itself right. And so this is something that I do in my practice. I make sure that every client has this. And it's one of the first things that I teach my clients. And there are a couple of other cell salts that also do very well when given in hot water. Um, Magfos is used in that way. And calcfos is used in that way. So I've never seen anybody write about doing it with any of the others. And I haven't tried that. But ferrumphos for sure, magfos in hot water for somebody who's got menstrual cramps can do amazing things. Mm-hmm. So have you ever, have you tried that? Have you tried the, the ferrumphos 4X? I've never, I didn't even know you could get it in a 4X. So I'm going to be calling some pharmacies around here and see if I can get it in a 4X. <laughs> the potency thing always fascinates me, you know, because we also have this theory about uh, 6X uh, balancing and 9X stimulating. And the, you know, that that theory about right. like you use it's the one based potency. on the French style mm. of posology. Yeah. Um, but this is what I love about chatting with homeopaths because we all have such different ideas on things. I personally think that the, our bodies are so smart and it will use whatever potency you give it and know what it needs to do with it. So I wouldn't get too hung up on that, but you know, if Burika says 4X, who am I to argue? I will definitely see if I can get <laughs> hold of it and then I'll test it out and get my clients to test it out and see if they notice a difference. But that's such valuable advice because especially when you're a new mother, you're a first time mum it can get so overwhelming to know where to start. So knowing that you've got these just 12 remedies to choose from as opposed to 8,000 is already very comforting. And then knowing that there's one remedy that you can go to first off is unbelievably empowering. So I'm so grateful to you for sharing that information with our listeners. I think a lot of mums are going to be going out today and getting themselves a bottle of Ferrum Foss for sure. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. And start with the 6X if you can't find the 4X and then yeah. see what what else is possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd like to just share uh, one last story. As a, a new mom, I have four children. Mm-hmm. And um, I grew up in a medical household. I'm actually the daughter of five generations of physicians. Oh, wow. Uh, who, who thought that homeopathy was ridiculous. <laughs> to put it bluntly. And, and so I found homeopathy when I had a sick child that wasn't getting better in conventional medicine and someone brought me a book and my child got better. And then I was hooked. I was reading and studying and getting remedies and I got a cell salt kit. And for me, the level of empowerment I don't know if you've if you've had this, Eugenie, you know, people who um, I've had other people who have reported this to me also. But my experience was that on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock, I could look at one of my kids and I could see I think something's not right there. And I would feel afraid. Is she going to have a fever? Is she going to have something wrong? 
And am I going to be in urgent care or in the ER at midnight, Mm. which no mama ever wants to do. And, and I felt on a, you know, this, it wasn't something that I actively worried about, but if something happened on a Friday afternoon, I felt helpless. Mm. I didn't know about all the self-care stuff because I grew up in this medical family where you just do whatever the doctor says and you don't really think for yourself. Mm. Mm. And that was what I was taught. And so for me to have these books and these kits where I knew that I couldn't solve everything, but simple things like a fever, like a sore throat, like somebody who's lying barfy on the bathroom floor, mm. like a, a you know twisted ankle, like a, a somebody got burned with a little bit of hot water. All of these things were things that were easy mm. and And it gave me confidence in the body's ability to heal. And it relieved those moments of, oh, it's Friday at four o'clock. What am I going to do? And I am so thankful for that. So if there are any of you that are listening that are going through that, man, oh, man, are these wonderful tools for you to have in your pocket Mm -hmm. and to learn how to use them. And what I did was take my notes And I taped them inside the bathroom cabinet door. So that like the thing about ferrum foss, because when you're, you're in there with your child, who's throwing up in your lap, you know, you can't really get up and go find your book. And so I made all these cheat notes and I taped them inside the bathroom mirror door. Mm -hmm. And it made my life so much easier. And now here we are 26 years later, I retrained, I changed careers, and I still feel grateful for those moments when I have that ally, that little vial that's that's like my friend, that's going to help me, that's going to help my client, that's going to help my child. Mm, it's such an incredible feeling. And at the end of the day, they cost almost nothing. You know, in Australia, it's between sort of nine and sixteen dollars for a, a bottle of tissue salts. Time that by twelve, plus maybe another ten dollars for a book, and you have got such incredible peace of mind right there. It doesn't matter if it's two a.m. on a Saturday morning or you know any any time of the day. There are your 12 little buddies sitting right there. You've got your book and you have got something on hand that can help your child straight away. And uh, if you're living in a remote area or somewhere where you may not be able to access uh, medical services quickly, it's so great to have on hand. Even if you do end up having to go to seek medical uh, advice, you can always use those remedies on the way. So you've got something to help that that person uh, on the way. So uh, I I'm completely on board with you there. Homeopathy has made me feel so empowered as a mother, and I am so grateful to it as well. Now, Karen, we always finish off the episode with our guests giving us their three favorite homeopathic remedies and why. But I think for you, we should limit it to the 12 tissue salts, <laughs> which, are <your> per- <laughs> which are your personal top three tissue salts and why. Okay. The first one would be 
Ferrum Foss, Mm -hmm. just because of all the reasons we talked about. I've just seen it bring so much relief so many times. Mm -hmm. The second one is Calcarea Florica. Mm -hmm. And it's a remedy that helps with everything that has to do with ligaments and tendons. And it is so good at helping to relieve pain like plantar fasciitis, where somebody you know, they get out of bed in the morning and they stand on their foot and the sole of their foot hurts. Mm. It just is such a good ally for anybody recovering from a physical injury. Mm. And, uh, you know, they sprain their back or they whatever. So that's, that's probably the second one. And then the third one would be Kali Foss. Mm. I love this remedy so much. People can think of it as a battery charger. Mm-hmm. There's times when our batteries are just flat, when we just have run out of steam. Maybe we got very depleted. Maybe we just made it through exams and now our brain is mush. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just had a baby and our whole body feels like mush. Maybe, you know, whatever it is that's going on, maybe there was a great big exertion or we had a flu and we got really dehydrated. And after that, we just are in, you know, we're cotton headed. We just got no brain left and no energy. And Kali Foss is this beautiful, gentle recharger for our batteries. And so using the approach that you talked about earlier, Eugenie, where you just put it in a bottle of water and shake it and sip on it, and you do that over a couple of days, it just really helps your body reinvigorate Mm -hmm. itself. And for it's this is a really standard thing for all of my clients who are going through graduate school or um, they're in college or they're taking their CPA exam tests or whatever it is that they're doing. I have them take this during the times that they're studying. And, you know, in, in the homeopathic literature, we'll see references to brain fag. Mm. And this is where somebody's brain is just. It's just out of gas. And Mm. Kali Foss is so wonderful for rebuilding that. Uh, With the 12 tissue cells that align with the 12 star signs, Kali Foss is actually my remedy, being an Aries. And us Aries, we can get a bit full on sometimes. And Kali Foss is really good for calming the nervous system. So believe me, I live on Mm. what we say, Kali Foss. (laughs) I live on Kali Foss. And just for the mamas, you know, we're recording this uh, mid-December. For those of you heading to the shopping malls with all the overwhelm of the sounds and the lights and kids screaming and all that, Put your Califos in your handbag, give everyone a dose, all the kids, all the parents, everyone going to the shopping centers, take your Califos just to calm the nervous system. And um, I was going to add, when you said the calc fluor, I love calc fluor. Um, it's, I found it so good with dental enamel. My dental enamel yes. isn't that great. And I found calc fluor amazing for that. It's a tissue salt that helps to make tissues that are too soft, hard and ones that are too hard, soft. And I just wanted to quickly ramble off because you never know who's listening to this that might find it helpful. But hemorrhoids after pregnancy is something that doesn't get talked about much, but calc fluor is great for that. 
Also for oh, hernias, you know, the little um, umbilical hernias that babies can sometimes mm-hmm. get any sort of hernias, stretch marks, skin tags. I have had skin tags fall off after calc fluor within a week of taking it. Um, and the other thing is actually uh, tight foreskins on little boys. Calcfleur mm-hmm. is really good for loosening that up. You know, sometimes the little boys end up going for um, a medical circumcision just to loosen that. But calcfleur can actually be really helpful if it's used early enough and for a long enough duration. So I just want to throw a couple of that in there as well. Those are all listeners. great suggestions. It's also used to help break down bone spurs. Ah, oh, right. So, you know, you were talking about making soft things hard and making hard things mm. repairing. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I good for them. yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> now, Karen, how can people get hold of you? And uh, what are some places they can engage with you and what you do? Uh, well, I would be glad to have people um, reach out to me, practitioners reach out to me for the Trinity Health Hub. We are an online virtual resource for practitioners who are all over the world. And uh, you can reach me, hello, at trinityhealthhub.com. Mm-hmm. And um, I, we are working now on developing a part of the hub for the public so that they will all have resources where they can go learn and talk to each other and help each other and have study groups for people all over who are just learning homeopathy for good self-care. And so we're expecting that to come online in late January. So maybe by the time that we get to that point, Eugenie, Mm -hmm. we can talk a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. I love that you're putting something forward for the public because Trinity Health Hub, the professional uh, development side of it is absolutely incredible for homeopaths. I mean, do you even know how many courses are on there? Because I try to count them and there's actually, (laughs) there there must be, I don't know, is there close to a hundred? It felt like that because you can just scroll and scroll and scroll. There's just course after course and any topic as a homeopath, you could possibly want to further develop your education on. You can find there. I don't think there's a topic that you haven't covered. And it's so well done with so many incredible lecturers there, including yourself. Yeah, and we have over 500 hours of training wow. that people can stream and download the documents. Mm. And mm. some of it is therapeutics and some of it is materia medica and some of it is anatomy and physiology and health sciences. And we actually are starting another series. We're teaching a three-month series on polarity analysis, Heiner Fry's work. And so uh, I co-teach that class with Tim Shannon, who is our subject matter expert and clinician. He's brilliant. And it's a three-month class that's part theory and mostly clinic. People just sit in with our HIPAA-compliant Zoom consult room, and everybody gets to see the cases being taken and discuss the Materia Medica options. So if anybody's interested, we will be starting our next three-month series the end of January. And we're just teaching Heiner Fry's stuff. Heiner worked with us on the curriculum. You know, Heiner's brilliant, but he can only do so much, and he's Mm. done so much. Mm. We use his polarity analysis textbook. So if anybody's interested in learning more about that, the website is polarityanalysis.com. Mm-hmm. You know how the universe works sometimes. Like this is the third time in the space of about a week I've heard about polarity analysis. So obviously something is telling me I'm going to have to delve into this a little bit more. So <laughs> I'm glad that you've <laughs> mentioned that as well. Uh, Karen, it's just been 
absolutely amazing to have you on today. Thank you so much for doing the amazing work that you do. I really don't know how you achieve all of the things that you do. It's um, absolutely inspiring. Please keep it up. Uh, We love learning from you and it's beautiful listening to you. You have such a gorgeous voice to listen to and I love your storytelling. I love how you brought the past together of, um, uh, is it Mel Shot? And there was a virtual and I can't remember all the names. And I could just see Schussler there sitting in the corner. (laughs) You just have a beautiful (laughs) storytelling technique. So thank you so much. And um, I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you.